Auto One Podcast Network. Hi, this is Ja Rule, and I love creative writing, baby. Can we just go like straight to pants shitting? I don't care if you're one percenter or ninety-nine percenter. Y'all can kiss a hundred percent of my ass. Two strokes are for white fucking trash. Junky, you're awful. Demon son. Let's go! This podcast is hosted by three sentient beings. One of them's hot, one of them's not, and one of them looks like a bowl of snot. You decide who's who. Hey, in the meantime... The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of Creative Writing, the Moto One Podcast Network, or any of its affiliates. Moto One made us say that, by the way. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome to another fabulous episode. Well, fabulous, you be the judge of that. This is Creative Writing. This is episode 325, the 40-year-old ninja. You may uh, be a 40-year-old virgin, um, but you're not going to be a 40-year-old virgin to the ninja facts today. Maybe you will. Who knows? But um, yeah, this is going to be an exciting episode. I'm really, uh, I'm excited for it. And if you're not excited for it after the fact, go make your own stupid podcast, you idiot, and then send us it and we'll be the judge if it's good or not. So I'm excited mostly because returning with us, we have the, uh, the dulcet tones of uh, my motorbike obsessions, Matt with us, who has uh, been our partner in history <laughs> as well as our partner in, in crime, I guess, uh, for some things. But yeah, you've been a big, a big help with the, uh, you know, the Japanese Small Displacement uh, history episode we did, um, Ghost Rider 666, which I can't believe how many times he's popped up on uh, subreddits, and I've slapped our uh, our episode uh, link in there. Nice. Um, yes, people say, hey, man, we did a whole podcast on this guy. I can't believe people are still discovering him. It's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, we, we were leaning on you heavily today uh, because we need some facts about the uh, the Kawasaki Ninja. It does turn 40 this year. But before we get into all that, let's go around the room and talk about who is and who isn't here. Um, we got Mike. Yeah, <laughs> just, I'm finally back. Just, just Mike. Mike. Just Mike. Just Mike. Uh-huh. Did I, and did I put that in the... or did You no, did in my email. Oh, I yeah, got, yeah. To Mike, comma, just, just Mike. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I I lost word of the week a couple weeks ago and our and Mike said, Hey, my punishment must be that you just call me Mike. And so I did when you weren't here. So this week I might make up a new name for you. That's um, okay. Also going around the room, we got Dafreak. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so what the fuck? Yeah. That, what? That, you know, that, wow. I'm we're, here. We're, Hi. We're, we were expecting some fanfare. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then, uh, also, like I said, returning with us, we got Matt, Matt, how is life, uh, in uh, Florida right now? Man, life in Florida is nothing but extended swing arm turbo boosts and, uh, all the sunshine you could ask for right now. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I wish we could have got some of that in Cali. Uh, I've seen a lot of extended swing arm groms and we haven't had a, a whole lot of sunshine like consistently i'm very i think i'm getting seasonal effect disorder from it i think i might move to um 
what's it called to Seattle where apparently they, they got our weather right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused, but, um, but yeah, let's go around, uh, this week and do some highs and lows. I'm going to start off ladies first, Mike, what are your highs and lows? Um, okay. So, you know, I'm going to start with the lows. Um, my, I went on a ride two weeks ago, week and a half ago. I don't even know. Uh, time is merely a concept at this point. And I went on a ride on the Sportster, and my kickstand is the lowest point on the motorcycle mm. uh, somehow. <laughs> and <laughs> and I wore through the kickstand uh, in a turn. My kickstand spring decided to release itself from the uh, kickstand in the frame of the motorcycle. And my kickstand started flopping mid-turn. It was uh, a mite bit terrifying. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, because why the fuck would your kickstand rub through? Yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah. You have I, you, you know, had a limp kickstand. Yeah, it's it's a common problem. A bit of a dangler. <laughs> a dangler. A bit of a bit of a dangler. Um, so I had to zip tie my kickstand to the frame of the bike to get home. And I haven't fixed it because why would I do that? Zip ties are lighter than the spring, probably. So it is weight reduction. Heck yeah. Um, the track so now. When Take you like the- parked, did you forget and get off your bike and then it like fell over yeah. or, or like, do you slide the zip yes, tie? You're, you're absolutely right. I forgot to put my kickstand down because the spring was broken. I forgot to do the thing you do every time you park your motorcycle. <laughs> really? Did you? <laughs> Yes, Kim. I do think you would do that. <laughs> do you slide the zip tie like like out, and then you put your kickstand down? And you, Kim, you can get a hundred zip ties at Harbor Freight for like. I just trying to $1. see you 50, bending so... over the edge of the bike to do whatever you're going to do with the zip tie while you're on, so it doesn't like come off. No, no, I, I, I just kick the kickstand down and break the zip tie and then put a new oh. one on when I get back on the bike. Zip Damn, ties are very you, cheap. Your I legs, didn't know your leg was strong enough. To I was like, going to say, Anna's leg is very strong. This, Ladies and gentlemen, this just had 12 <laughs> foot pounds of force is very strong. <laughs> <laughs> wow this guy fucking this guy this guy works out never Grandma, skips good le- leg yeah never <laughs> skips leg day the only thing that would suck is when you need to like make multiple stops now though like mm. if you're on a ride or something that would really suck to like uh lean it against a wall like a there bicycle. you go that's what i was gonna ask that, you I, I did that at a gas pump i assume that you just leaned <laughs> it against your car when you got home but you he has it. a fanny um, yeah. pack full of zip ties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Doing like a mental my... inventory of how many zip ties. It's okay. I got three more stops and four zip ties. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> well, uh, no. Well, then you're three more stops. If you're like, okay, three more stops. I have four zip ties. I'm going to need to stop at O'Reilly's and buy a bag of zip ties. Where's <laughs> the closest Harbor Freight? Right. Um, so now my route planning is actually around the location of Harbor Freight stores. Oh, uh, interesting. <laughs> Why are we going this way, Mike? Because there's two Harbor Freights <laughs> 20 miles apart from each other this way. Um, so the other so, – so yes, that's like the low, right? And the high of the week is I've been able to uh, defend democracy uh, for Super Earth. 
Okay. Um, so some of you may or may not know I'm a fucking raging nerd. Uh, I love video games. There's a game that came out called Helldivers 2. And it is if Starship Troopers and Terminator had a baby. Oh, wow. Um, it is such a silly game. I, I really, I don't, it, it's, I don't know how to describe it in a way that's not going to be like, it's going to be like when Junkie, if me talking about this is going to be like when Junkie talks about service manuals for an hour. Yeah. Um, People are going to die a, of boredom, but, it, but yes. in your brain, it's the greatest accomplishment you've ever done. Yes, it's it's a very fun game. I've been defending Super Earth, and nice. um, on a motorcycle-related note, I did photos at an event yesterday, and it was a good good turnout. And I have some promising leads for new recurring clients, so nice. it's one step closer to financial freedom nice and they're boudoir picks these recurring recurring ones Cor- correct i'm going to take pictures of the harley salesman um <laughs> leaned oh, no. out over their bikes are they finally going to release that harley dealership calendar that we've all been asked that no one's been asking for but everyone yes. is going to get <laughs> matt have we sufficiently given you time to think of highs and lows or do you need you want me to um throw the freak in front of you no i'm good i'm good i can go yeah, yeah. So what are your highs and lows? Uh, let's see. So I'll start with my high was uh, this week. Like I said, it, it was beautiful. I got out this morning, about 9.30 in the morning, uh, something like 64 degrees, beautiful, sunny, dry day. I got out and just got a good ride in all over the place, exploring some new roads, hit some of my favorite roads. Um, I've got a half a dozen little roads kind of uh, saved up in my memory bank that that have a few a few turns you know, uh, I was going to say they all uh, straight. Was, it's, it's it's the the half dozen roads in Florida that actually <laughs> go that veer beyond 180 degrees. They are. It's. I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do, right? Uh, you know, I, it, it, it. I always I always elate it or equate it to my wife. Um, it's kind of like you know when you go and you get you get a little appetizer before the meal. And, uh, it's like truly an appetizer. Not when like, not when you go to Olive Garden and get, you know, 500 pounds of bread and salad before <laughs> your food comes, but like a little appetizer, you get this little taste of something, you, your property, your palate's properly warmed up, you're ready to go. And then it's just like, okay, here's your bill. And, and you, you have to leave the restaurant. It's kind of what it's like. Yeah. Um, but it was a beautiful ride. I got out. It wasn't too busy. I usually, I usually like to go on Sundays because there's a church like every 50 feet around here. So if you go out Sunday morning, you can usually get some pretty clear roads. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no um, I thought you were going to say you like honk at everyone you like ride by or something. <laughs> he likes church and he stops it. He stops and goes into every church. I, stop and go I in, just yeah, had a revelation about riding motorcycles in Florida. It's like edging. Mm. You're edging yourself with the idea of a good motorcycle ride, but you only get to go straight. <laughs> it very much is. It very much is like that. Yes. So I guess you'd call that a high low or uh, yeah, yeah, high or whatever. But um, <laughs> you know, I got to take it was it was beautiful. Um, but my low is on that ride. So I just uh, I just ended up installing a new uh, Givi top case. Um, I was able to find a Givi rack. Uh, a Givi branded, you know, an actual truly Givi yeah. rack for my Givi top case. I think it came out of Belgium. You know, I found it on eBay or not eBay. Uh, it was actually on Amazon, it came out of a store on Amazon, but it was coming from Belgium. So I got it all in, got a top case 
And uh, I threw on some of my old saddlebags that I have, just kind of put the bike into sport touring trim because uh, the wife and I are looking to maybe this summer get out and, and try Ooh. to get some rides in and get up to Georgia or something. Nice. And um, I found out that uh, the the top case is doing is doing something weird. It doesn't have any weight in it, but uh, the aerodynamics are such that um, I'm getting a little head shake if I like on a D cell type Ooh. of thing. Weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It it happened once and I was on a road that I hadn't been on and I got a little head shake and I was kind of like, oh, that's weird because I, I was just coming off the gas and I took my hands off the hands off the handlebars and I um I you know, I my my wrists are kind of screwed up from from my time in the navy. So I I give them a little pop and it just helps to loosen them up. And as breaking, I, I took, Hey, breaking fools next uh, day in and day out will do that. So you know, <laughs> Thank it you for was your service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's classified. Uh, <laughs> Don't kill me. So you know, I took my hands off, and I cracked, and and right when I popped my wrist, the hit the the handlebars just you know shook around, and I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of weird. It's, you know, it does never does that because the the FZ one's usually a really stable oh, bike. Yeah, they're planted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, so I just was kind of keeping my eye on it, and I did it on a, a another road, and and when I did it on this other road, it, it gave me a big head shake, and it was like, okay, note to self, keep the hands on the handlebars. Um, so that, I think I got a fix for it. Um, I've got, I've got a little library of books and I've got the, uh, the race tech suspension Bible book and, uh, yeah. it's got a little troubleshooting section in there. So it gave me some pointers that I can do for troubleshooting. So Did might- you take the top case off to double verify that it is the top case causing it? No, cause uh, I, I, I will do that next before I really start, uh, breaking out the, the, the spanner for the rear shock. Um, cause that's what I think I need to do. Um, is maybe like take off some of the preload of the rear yeah. so yeah. that I can increase the trail of the front and, right. there, and get a little, and, you know, give it a shot before I do that. I will pop the top case off. I'll keep the saddlebags on and then I'll run, you know, some of the similar roads and go see what it's like. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe I'll pull the saddlebags off and do one more ride. And then I'll just kind of like, I'll have all the data I need and I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I have a another one more answer for you as winglets get more more downforce on your front end because yeah, that seems like it's pulling weight off the front end and making it wobbly. Uh, That's what I was thinking. Is it just kind of yeah. acts like a big sail because it's a big box. It's a yeah. it's a V forty six. It's you know double helmet box. So it's gotcha. it's not oh, just wow. like a little cute little box there. It's it's a big honking box. Yeah, are you, you doing dumb. touring on this bike? Yeah, well, I'm setting it up so I could do kind of sport touring. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's an FC one, so you know. It, no, there, yeah. that's a cool bike. I, I understand. Like, I'm, yeah. that's basically Yamaha's it's a big box. For yeah, that it's, bike. it's Yamaha's it is a big VFR, box, yeah. basically sport tour in a way. Yeah, yeah, but like I said, I, I wanted to have it so that the wife and I could do, you know, maybe do some overnights so that yeah. I could, and then oh, or just going going around and and being able to stop and throw both lids in there and, yeah. and shut it up and stuff. Yeah, because yeah. she, when I had my V Strom back in back in cali when i lived up in ventura county um you know i got out on a couple i had a box i had you know just a generic box and and she really liked jumping on the back but she really likes the feeling of having that top case back there to lean on just because she doesn't have a lot of experience with it so um i wanted something nice and comfortable i actually even also got the i got the the backrest for it 
Um, but I just kind of like sat her up there and put the backrest on and then I got jumped on and the way the backrest is, it pushed her forward into like this straight <laughs> forward lean. Cause it's a real backrest. Usually when you get the generic boxes, the backrest is just a, just a chunk of plastic in a You're, backrest yeah. shape. This yeah. was an actual padded upholstered backrest. So it's very nice. Um, but I don't think she'll, I don't think we can, I can mount it. I think it'll just end up pushing her out of the way. Yeah, make it more uncomfortable for her to sit back there. Yeah, interesting. That's, I mean, the uh, bike looks dumb as heck with the box on it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah, but but with two people on it and cruise it, you know, it makes sense. Uh, looks, yeah. You know, what did, what did DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince said? You come to school to learn, not for a fashion show. And I think that's how a sport touring should be too. You know, you can't, they, they don't make sport touring, uh, you know, MotoGP homologated luggage. So yeah, just just look look goofy. So it's all I mean, who knows, about. man? They have bagger racing. Luggage, What's next? Luggage on any bike looks goofy. <laughs> I, that's like e- even touring bikes, like touring Harleys with the top rack. I think top rack yeah. luggage looks bad on, on on everything. Yeah, I I love Mark the Butcher's barbecue back there because it looks <laughs> just about as it looks just as oem as those all that stuff could, could basically be uh you know oem who and nobody would blink an eye at it because yeah it does look goofy um kim what's your highs and lows um i think my high like i got out for a little ride too um on friday after work and um, tried out the new windshield, mm. but it was like a warm, I think like 72 degrees or something. So it was just like, it was just what the doctor ordered. Really. It felt good. Even if it was just for like, I don't know, an hour or two. Yeah. And you got a stuff. weird doctor, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, stopped by the Temecula Harley bike night for a little bit and, Got home, so just getting out on the bike a little bit was Heck good. Yeah. yeah, sounds that's that's always uh, that is always what the doctor ordered. Actually, my doctor says yeah. that too. He said you should quit crashing your bikes and just start riding them. And I said, dude, <laughs> come on. Um, oh, and then um, a quick trip to Joshua Tree for two nights uh, last weekend, and like at that, it was an Airbnb, but he had a Ural parked out in the back. Um, oh. I, and the keys were in it, but, um, I asked like after we left about the bike, cause it was sitting there and I guess he'd like burnt the clutch out the first, like right after he got it and can't find anyone to fix it. But that was cool to see. I've never seen one in person. Nice. He burnt the clutch on that Ural? I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to say that I think, I think, um, I think Chuck from the Wheel Nerds had a Ural for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he, I just talked to, on our last episode, Kim, we were talking with um, uh, Mike, uh-huh. um, Mike Action, and he has a Ulysses. And I think clutch, he burned the clutch up on his Ulysses, and then he got a Ural. And I think he either blew the clutch or the drive gear up on the- <laughs> <laughs> up on that thing so uh yeah he, maybe he's just bad with it but also I don't know. when you have like a, a bike that has you know uh, uh, i think those sidecars are pretty hefty i think they're like 600 extra pounds or 500 extra pounds mm-hmm. with all the steel and everything in it and then you put a person in it it's probably not that hard did i see that you had a ural at your house though did you me yeah 
No, I, that was at that was at the Airbnb. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I'm just taking pictures of other people's shit and hell yeah, I love doing that it. too. And then they think I'm casing it to come back and steal it. Yeah, I really was tempted to like. I wanted to get. Well, I mean, obviously, I guess it doesn't run or work or whatever. But I was because we I what I we drove out there. I would have rather ride. I heard all these bikes passing by the house where we were staying, and it was that was that's actually was a low. Like being out at by Pioneer Town and. Like having all the bikes go by. Yeah. Hell, that's if you're not from California, that's a destination in itself is uh, riding out to Peppy and Harriet's. Yeah. And Pioneer Town and all that jazz. I know you don't have any lows because you are our most positive uh, co-host. <laughs> you're gonna, actually going to get an award I'm later the most this year. Positive. I went for a hike today and I'm going to hurt so bad tomorrow. That's gonna oh. be, that's my low. I, I got healthier today, you assholes. And uh, yeah. Yeah, my, low, my low is that I got healthier. <laughs> I won't be able to walk tomorrow, <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> right. Um, my highs and lows, really, I'll try to make them brief because I know I we usually hit the 45 minute mark when I start going. But um, my highs and lows is that I did go for a ride last weekend. I haven't been for a ride since because of, um, you know, work and, and baseball practice. But um, I went for a ride with uh, Wiggins and Siddons and Siddons is breaking in his Harley Davidson that he spent now about $17,000 and four motors on. It's a wow. performance sportster that makes, you know, more horsepower than a performance bagger. You know, I, I forget how many horsepowers it's rated at, but he had to break it in. So basically he um, needed to keep it bef- below like 3,800 or 4,200 RPM or something like that, which is funny because I thought Sportster's redlined at 4,200 RPM, <laughs> but I don't know what, what motor he's got in it. So we went on this cruise and he's like, and Wiggins is leading because he's on his uh, KL, uh, what is he on? He's on his KTM... Uh, 950 uh, Enduro or whatever the hell it is. And um, and I'm on the VFR behind them. I'm like, hey, I'm going to ride tail just in case, you know, Sidden's bike, the last time we took it out, you know, he popped a couple little power wheelies on it and then we hit the freeway and it blew up. <laughs> so <laughs> like we were, we, were, we were on a ride for less than like 10 minutes when it blew up. So I was like, I'm going to ride tail because if this happens again. So I'm behind these fools and we ride up to the rock store now you guys may know that I recently, you know, crashed back in um, December, and uh, rear tire just lost traction. So the whole time I'm riding through the twisties, I really haven't like cranked it and yanked it through the corners like uh, since then. Um, I've gone to on a couple rides around, you know, but mostly on town or on the freeway or whatever. I haven't really like hit the canyons and shredded. So I was a little. Uh, my my high is that I got to go for a ride with uh, two good riding buddies that I know are good. My low is that a I was a little timid the whole time. I'm I'm thinking about these tires. Like how old are these tires on this? Because that's what I was thinking about on my bike after on my SCR after I crashed. Is shoot how old was this rear tire? That thing was a 2017. So the tires are five years old on it. But I always keep it in the garage. They're still rubbery. You know they're not like down to the wear bars or anything like that so i don't i just had this like ptsd at this point of like when is the rear tire going to slip and i totally forget that this bike can lean and that bike can't so when i'm going around a corner i'm like oh yeah i got like 40 more degrees <laughs> that i can turn, that i can <laughs> lean so the the scr scrapes at like 26 or 27 i i don't know what the actual lean angle is but it scrapes bad and um uh, I'm embarrassed because when I went riding with Wiggins the day I crashed, his bagger, since it has 
race uh, rear sets on it and they're like way up and back from what a normal Harley is. Like there's no floorboards. They're like, they're like road racing rear sets. So Mm -hmm. his um, shifter and the brake pedal and everything else is like way up and back from where it would normally be on a, on a street glide. Um, so he his bike can even lean over really far because the bags are up higher and the <laughs> so he can lean farther than my stupid SDR. So when we were riding, I was scraping. So I totally forgot that this bike, the VFR, does not have that problem. So I was kind of riding it like a grandma anyway through the corners. But the that my high is that we went out for a ride and I didn't crash. Um uh and that everything went pretty good and we went pretty far. We went up up north into Santa Clarita. Um and uh, got a little coffee and came back. My low was coming back. So when we got there, it was just before dusk. And we had left at like 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon um, from Wiggins' house. And we didn't get up there till close to like 5. Uh, it, was getting, it was getting dim when we got up there. So when we come out, it's dark. And we're going through the canyon lands. And there's obviously no street lights or anything like that. So my low is... Again, I'm a little timid still, and I'm bringing up tail again just in case something happens to uh, Sidden's Harley, his uh, Sportster. Um, and what it would happen was him and him and uh, Wiggins would get this huge gap going, and I'd just be like cruising, like just in my head thinking about, oh, you know, we're just cruising. And then I was like, oh, they're getting away from me, and it's dark. It's dark out here, and I don't want to get left behind. <laughs> I don't know the directions. <laughs> so I would haul ass and speed up and then end up jamming on the brakes because they're going into a corner. And, like, I jam on the brakes to not ram into the back of Siddons at this point because his fucking brake light didn't work. So oh, shit. <laughs> all of a Harley sudden... brake light not working? Yeah, you know, interesting, yeah. Never so, heard of that before. So all of a sudden, he's getting closer and closer, and I'm like, but I don't see a brake light. So I'm like, oh, shit. And so that's how I figured out that his brake light didn't work. So I'd give him lots of space, but then the problem is in the corners, they would start to disappear. And the other problem is the VFR... I look through corners way far. I look way, way, way far through corners. And the VFR headlight points straight. So <laughs> the other problem was when they're in front of me and we're on a big sweeper, that's fine because I can see their headlights and I can see where I'm aiming toward and I can lean over and just kind of like hold that line. And even though I can't see shit on the ground, I can't see the dotted lines, I can't even see the road because I'm looking to where they are. At least I know that they're there, so the road must be there. And I just trust my instincts that the road isn't going to disappear out from underneath me. The shitty thing is when they would turn into one of those blind corners, because we were cutting through some pretty uh, narrow canyons that has a lot of blind corners, all of a sudden I'm looking at the road and, and Siddons has this bright ass headlight that he's like, Oh, my headlight won't like light up anything. Dude, his is, I think it's, I don't sure if it's led, but it was lighting up him and Wiggins. And when they go around blind corners, all of a sudden I have zero light and I'm staring into complete darkness because the VFR headlight still is pointing straight, straight at trees and shit and not at the road where I'm heading. So I would basically have to stand it up and like kind of turn it super slow around the corner. So the headlight would, point to the ground and I could see where the ground is now and I was like oh my god so the whole trip out of the canyon was getting there was my high getting out was my low because every single corner as soon as they would disappear around the corner it would just um this I was in total blackness and like I'm saying the 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 VFR headlight might as well have been off like sure it was pointing to the ground but when you're leaning over and it's pointing straight it's really pointing not where you're going at, at all uh and I started to realize why 
bikes have cornering lights nowadays and like you know the BMWs the tour the you know the K1600s had these like articulating headlights that point they turn and rotate into the corner and stuff and I was like oh my god like I would go I would go for that right now because I can't follow them too close because I don't know when Siddons is really braking and I don't want to run into the back of him but if I get too far all of a sudden it's like I'm in the middle of the corner and somebody turned off the street <laughs> the street light that was lighting up the corner. So it was a bummer coming back out and I was totally terrified until we got back to the freeway. So that was my highs and lows all wrapped up in one. Um, yeah. Uh, hey, we are uh, 26 minutes in. We got a couple uh, events coming up. Um, let's get into those real quick before we jump into the, our history episode here. Uh, and thank you guys for... Um, for the word of the week. Um, I'm sorry, for the for the highs and lows. Uh, before we jump into our events, the word of the week this week has been donated to us uh, generously. I have to give it back, but he let us borrow it. Uh, the word of the week this week is Harley, specifically Harley, not Harley Davidson. Uh, and it was given to us by our new um, custodian of words of the week, uh, Don Lanhart, who's the guy who always got me. He caught me with Goldwing last time, and I think he caught me with... Uh, what, or he caught Kim with the word of the week before that. He's always submitting them on our page. So I reached out directly and said, hey, listen, you're you're the new proprietor of word of the week. So he sent me a few in. So if we say Harley the after... proprietor of word of the week. He is the proprietor. So after you hear this uh, sweet sound effect... How sweet is that? There we go. So now the word of the week is official. We can't say... Oh God, I almost said it. We can't say that word. You can, and to be fair, you can say that word and then Davidson. So just just make sure that you uh, you say the full thing or else you're going to get a punishment That's gonna next week. That's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be what? Hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah. And, and Matt, he's not here next week. So he could do whatever he wants and we have to make up for it. We'll have to send him something in the mail. We'll send him a... Uh, one of those envelopes full of rattlesnake eggs Anthrax. or whatever. I'm vaccinated against that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was in the Navy. It's going to take a lot more than that to kill him. Yeah, hey, Anthrax. Come Maybe. on. I sprinkled that on my eggs in the morning. <laughs> sure. Um, so real quick, we got some we got some stuff coming up. If you're in Milwaukee right now, you're not going to hear this till tomorrow anyway, but if you're in w- Milwaukee right now, um, you're celebrating Mama Tried, so good for you. Um, but Mike, you got... You and Kim, or just you? One of you guys got something coming up here pretty soon. The uh, happening right. April twenty, April twenty first. Twenty first. Let me paint y'all a picture. Hell yeah! There's gonna be the run for the rib, the first annual run for the rib. Mm. This is a very serious endeavor. We're raising money, um, not for charity, but for a Native American casino in the form of $15 prime rib. We are going to ride Highway 94 out to Golden Acorn Casino, which is really a truck stop with gambling. Anyone who's been there (laughs) will agree. Um, Golden Acorn is a truck stop. They advertise on Interstate 8. Uh, They advertise with these big, giant signs, $14.99 prime rib dinner. Um... And I think it would be hysterical to go and ride really aggressively hard from El Cajon, California to uh, Golden Acorn Casino and uh, 
get prime rib and gamble. Um, so yeah. that's the on April twenty first, two thousand twenty four. We are going to meet a. I will read the address to you right now. Hold on, it's important that you know the address. Well, so Mike. You know while Mike's up. looking up the address, I have a good friend from high school who is like the supervisor of gaming out there, or something like that. He he moved from Sequan out there because he said uh, Golden Acorns where it's at, my friend. So I be- I believe that this is probably a good uh, endeavor. Um, is, Mike, where's the meetup spot again? This is twenty four eleven Hamishaw Road, zip code nine two zero one nine. We are meeting at. The, we are kickstands up at 11.30. You from can where? get there from 11.29. No, from what, no, what's the meetup spot? I, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> she like, wants to know where you're meeting. Where's everybody El meeting up at? I just read you the address. I don't you want fucking address. <laughs> <laughs> She wants you to say the word. The location. I think she wants it's you to say It's a gas say station. Oh, there you go. Oh. Did you think it was some sort of motorcycle dealership? I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, it's a gas station. I, I don't, I'm not going to affiliate this with any sort of motorcycle branding. This isn't about riding for a bar and shield. This is about riding to pay reparations to the Indian casino in the form of $15 prime rib purchases. <laughs> you you truly are machine. defending democracy on super earth. Congratulations. Um, bringing it around. <laughs> so this is a ride for, I would, I would consider highway 94 a road, not for beginners. No, um, I'm not if, going to, I, I'm going to, start at the front of the ride. I do not believe I will end at the front of the pack. Um, there is a group of super sport bike riders that are coming. Uh, I know one guy has a absolutely front to back carbon fiber BMW S 1000 R and he, I've never seen him wear anything but a tracksuit leather tracksuit. So it's going to be a good time. Um, Ride your ride. Don't die on the behalf of fifteen dollar prime rib. Uh, yeah. You will not be remembered. Um, <laughs> but come to you the will ride not be for remembered. the rib. Yeah, you know what's the irony here is that you're not riding for the bar and shield, but you're riding for their ad hoc mascot in a way. Uh, it's pork prime rib, right? I guess that you're riding for is that the pork prime beef. Oh, is it be? Oh, I thought I saw a little pig on the uh, the flyer for it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And actually, ninety four. If you are familiar, or are people from not California, the um, State Route ninety four or Highway ninety, whatever you want us to call it, besides the ninety four, um, it. If you were a San Diego mod or rocker, you are quite familiar with this road, and it is not for beginners. I would say. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty got some pretty advanced turns as it goes out there through like Hakumba and um what once you get out past the Tecate yeah. um the Tecate exit to go to Tecate Mexico like once you get past that in, into what is this road is referred to as the playground. Mm-hmm. It is it's a lot of fun. Um yeah. I have personally seen three people die there. Yeah. It's a great it is a it is like it, this is not a ride for beginners. Um, 
So oh, uh, I want to invite anyone that finished the rider safety course this that week to come ride with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and a disclaimer, he was he was watching people do a bomb disposal training, so it wasn't motorcyclists. But yeah, it wasn't motorcycle related at all. Just <laughs> I happened to see three dead bodies on that road, <laughs> and that's actually a possibility as well. It is pretty close to, to very close to the border. <laughs> so. You you run alongside the U.S. Mexico border for. I would say 50, like 50, 60% of that ride, you are in like a rock's throw from the border wall. Yeah. Heck yeah. And, um, yeah, so that does sound pretty exciting. So, uh, you can probably find that on Instagram somewhere. Look for a run for the rib. I know Mike's put it up. 619 Mike T on Instagram. I have an ad. It's my pinned post on, um, my Instagram page. Sweet. And I know I've shared it as my story too. I'm excited for it. While we're, while we're doing other things in, uh, out outside of, uh, March and April, let me just throw this real quick. March 22nd and 24th, babes and Borrego is happening. And that is, uh, kind of like babes ride out, but it's dirt bike year, I think. And it's, um, actually maybe it's not, maybe it's the original babes ride out was called babes and Borrego. Um, yeah. And it's going to be sort of where Kim was at this uh, last weekend with the year all. If you see it out there, uh, bring an extra clutch. Maybe you can ride it around. Also in April, the 12th through the 14th, the Handbuilt Show is happening in Austin at the Austin American Statesman. Uh, the One Moto Show is going to be happening the 19th and 21st, which I believe is the very next weekend up in Oregon. And then April 25th, our good buddy Jeff is hosting the Stagecoach Rally down in San Diego uh, out near Julian area. Um, and that's going to be, he's going to have road riding and he's going to have some off-road riding. But that is just a fun time, full on. Um, uh, they take over a campground and then curate some rides out there for you. And uh, yeah, that, that's our uh, March and April lineup. There's, uh, Matt, there's other uh-huh. stuff. No, there's not. Not really. <laughs> Um, March 8th also is our friend, like the Raccoon Kings camp out too. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. We need to, we need to plug that one. Warner Springs. Yeah. March 8th. Yeah. If you want to meet a real raccoon. Yes. um, Mike, I suggest that they play Rocky Raccoon, but not the, um, I think the Beatles did that, but not the Beatles cover, the Charlie Parr cover of, uh, Rocky Raccoon over and over and over. It's really cool. It's really good. Matt, is there anything happening in Florida besides Busa's and flip-flops? Uh, Uh, I mean, what is it? (laughs) I mean, Busa's and flip-flops, that's an all year thing. You know, that's just just the way we (laughs) roll. Daytona bike week. Exactly. Yeah. Daytona bike Bike week's coming up. Um, was it starts, I believe next weekend. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. Like Friday the second or something. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's going to have, all the good stuff, including the uh, Daytona 200. I think there's going to be a bunch of motocross. There's usually motocross there. But yeah, March 7th through 9th. Um, and remember, the word of the week brand this week. I mean, I guess you can say the whole word. He said specifically the H word, but if you put the D- Davidson after it, I'm not going to take a chance. The Bar and Shield, they have their separate pass for the bagger racing uh, down there. But yeah, I totally forgot about that. The... Uh, that's happening March 7th through 9th. Um, and it's got a bunch of racing. Flat track usually starts yeah, that weekend. Yeah, flat track's going to be the 7th and 8th, the Thursday, Friday, and then the Daytona yeah. 200's on the 9th. And then I think Supercross is earlier, is the weekend before? Yeah, something like that. Third. I think, yep, I think so. Yeah, it's a whole, man, it's crazy. Are you going to go to any of that stuff while you're down there? 
I was I was thinking about it. The the problem is is uh, and I think you you have the same problem with one of the events that you do, Junkie, is that um, both my youngest daughter and my wife's birthday are mm-hmm. that same basic weekend and yeah. my wife has been pushing me to try to get me out the door to go and it's just like i'm not gonna do that that's you know the, I, the, the yeah. meme the meme of the you know the admiral akbar meme it's a trap it just keeps coming through my mind every time she's like no exactly. you should go no you should go i'm like no <laughs> listen i ain't falling exactly, for that nope yeah you you tell me that but then when i get home and you're a little upset guess guess who's gonna feel not only guilty the whole time they're there but also lame after they get back and they went i knew it was a trap yeah that's exactly uh, not walking into that nope i feel that way i i get that too i think sometimes yeah well yeah you but you tell your husband you haven't ridden your bike in seven months i'm gonna ride I'm gonna write for both of us and you do that. But you're you're also a mom. You got the extra mom guilt on top of that too. Yeah. So all right. Well, uh we are thirty-nine minutes in. You guys ready to jump into the uh the main event here? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this week on Creative Writing, uh we have a ninja episode and i'm actually going to swap this episode with the aim episode that i have uh in pre-production right now i was going to release this one later but now that we said all these upcoming events they're going to be for like this next weekend i might i might want to like speed this up a little bit um so yeah so this year it's no surprise that the uh, ninja has turned 40 years old and to celebrate that we're going to do a little history uh episode here on the ninja um, and, uh, I think it's known as the ninja here in the States. I, I, in, in other parts of the world, I still don't think they call it the ninja. I, I think, I don't think they do, but, uh, I wanted to give you guys this, I, I'll put in some awesome ominous music here in post-production, but imagine that you wake up and it's 1984. Dawson is probably pooping her diapers. Cause I think you were born in 83, right? Dawson. 82. 82. So Dawson is uh, listening to Wham already, and she probably has a job because she was born out in uh, you know, Temecula area. So she's probably working on the farm. But Dawson's two years old. Junkie's uh, 102 years old. And just like 2024, 1984 was a leap year. Also, just like Prince's song, which was also released in 1982 called 1999, you all remember when that went down and you know it was released in 82 but in 1999 it got the most play it had ever gotten ever or the date on Marty McFly's DeLorean which is a movie that hasn't even come out yet in 1984 but when everybody sees the uh, what is it September 15th 1985 and he jumped forward to like 20 2005 I remember 2005 or whatever it was whatever the date was on there maybe it was 2015 everybody was freaking out oh my god this is the date that Marty McFly jumped to and uh you know there's no um, you know, flying vehicles or all that great stuff that happened uh, in Back to the Future too. Um, so, anyways, everybody, everybody's talking about George Orwell's book, 1984. They're like, "Oh my gosh, this is the year that it's supposed to take place in." So, not only is that the huge uh, talk of the town, but Van Halen in January also releases their album. 1984, which as you all know, uh, was a total hit. Steve Jobs introduces the Macintosh PC, whatever PC means. People don't know in 1984 that that means personal computer because at this time, punch card machines and IPCAC were the only things people knew of computers and all the sci-fi light blinking things from Star Trek. 
Um, so the the actual first one of the first personal computers called the Macintosh, which is now I think just called a Mac, uh, comes out in the U.S. in '84. Michael Jackson's hair catches on fire when he's doing the Pepsi commercial, leading to the uh, famous schoolyard rhyme that I used to sing all the time. Uh, Michael Jackson is drinking Seven Up because Pepsi Cola burned him up or whatever the whatever it was. Um, this is also um, the year that Palestinian gunmen hijack a bus. Uh, and in uh, bus number 300, and Israeli forces free the hostages, killing a hijacker and two hijackers and one uh, hostage because Israelis DGAF when it comes to shooting people. And uh, as we know, this is sounds like it could have taken place last week. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, for real. The Soviet Union also boycotts the Summer Olympics in L.A., which I believe the Summer Olympics are coming again to L.A., uh, is this an Olympic year or is, is it two um, years? It ago? is an Olympic year. I think they're coming to LA again. Uh, so this may be history repeating false itself. Information. Yeah, false information. Uh, the Milpera massacre happens in Australia, which Kim, if you remember back to our uh, Spooky Spokes episode, that was where the um, Banditos and the Comanchero biker gangs had this like massive shootout in Australia. Um, the Ethiopian famine is televised for the first time on BBC, which I think leads to Band-Aid later that year and UNICEF campaigns and all that stuff. But do you know that song like, do they know it's Christmas time at all? I think they play it like every year nowadays, like Mariah Carey, like clockwork. But 1984 was the year that a bunch of super groups and super artists got together because they became aware of the Ethiopian famine for the first time. I remember that, uh, being a big part of the 80s. Um, Terminator premieres, which is James Cameron's third film. The best movie ever. The best, the best one, right? Uh, and and I know one of you guys mentioned Terminator earlier, uh, earlier in the episode. I had to like uh, think back to who it was. I think it was maybe Mike. It was me. Yeah, yeah. You, Terminator and Starship Troopers had a baby. I My notes uh, flashed in my head when you said that. So Terminator premieres. You get to see Linda Hamill's boobs, um, and you get to see Arnold Schwarzenegger's butt, uh, all in the same movie. Um, Indira Gandhi gets assassinated, which, like, it's almost like... uh, I don't know. I don't really know his history, but he was known for peace and bringing people together. Uh, He gets shot because people are are over that shit. Uh, Reagan and Bush beat out Mondale and Ferraro, who was going to be the very first woman vice president. (laughs) And that happened, you know, 20... Uh, uh, 35 years later. So it's really, this is so weird how, what a mirror 1984 was uh, because nuclear war also was hanging over the world um, and AIDS and crack hit the streets in 1984. AIDS, AIDS has been around, the scientists discovered it had been around since the uh, uh, 60s sometime, maybe even a little before that in the 50s, but it hadn't spread worldwide until the 80s. And in 84, it was a huge thing. Uh, here and uh, I don't remember if that's when Patient Zero hit this hit hit the ground here in the U.S., but definitely becomes a national pandemic uh, along with crack. Um, so I could two two great things. It's like a Reese's uh, Hershey, you know, Reese's is a um, peanut butter and chocolate. Two great things come together. Well, 1984 was a horrible time for um, you know social social things. And um, so yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that's happening in 1984, and that's just that's just a little chip off the whole potato chip. I mean, if you look at 1984, there was so much stuff happening globally. Um, And I believe this is right at the height of the chicken tax because I believe the chicken tax started in 1983. 
if I'm not mistaken, 83 to 87, whereby Harley Davidson petitioned the U.S. government and said, hey, listen, Japan is jumping all, dumping all these um, super high-quality, <laughs> high-performance motorcycles, and we can't have that because our, our stuff is going in the tank. So they lost... Uh, you know, what would be equivalent to, a, you know, a couple billion dollars or whatever because the Japanese came over. And I believe 83 was the year that uh, they got the chicken tax passed um, where whereby anything over 750 cc's uh, gets t- extra tariffs on it. Um, and so that might play in today's story. And uh, also last year in 2023, the Z1 turned 50. And the Z1 was the direct predecessor to the bike we're going to be talking about today. It was the, quote, very first superbike ever. And it started this whole spate of, uh, you know, the other manufacturers rushing to make uh, some some 900, you know, and, and, and leader, what we know today as the leader bike, you know, big, big displacement bikes in a world where everything was normally like three, five, seven, you know, 700 would be a big bike, you know. Uh, so we get a superbike in the in the, the Z1, and uh, ten years after its creation, we get this monster known as the uh, the Kawasaki Ninja. So before we jump in today's uh, episode, uh, as of this recording, as of right now, there are thirteen Kawasaki Ninja models available on Kawasaki's site with their own various sub models, such as like the uh, you know they have the Ninja H2, but then they also have the H2R, the H2 Carbon, all that fun jazz. And um, a lot of times they'll have like a Ninja and then a Ninja KRT edition, which is just packages. So with not counting all the submodels, there are 13 Ninjas available for sale. And if you go to Europe, they even have like a Ninja 125 because of the A2 licensing. So we're talking about a bike that's not only historic, but still to this day um, has a massive following, has set, you know, all sorts of... uh, things in motion between the companies and you know for the people that the like I, I almost said the fans but actually you know for the, the throngs of people that strive to see what's going to be coming out uh the next year and the next year and the next year with that i'm going to dump all of that crap that i just said into matt's lap <laughs> since, since i barely uh, i did about six days worth of research in about uh, 25 minutes um, I, I, I barely have the basics. All I know is that it really, that it came out in 84. And I think the first gen was made from 84 to 2003 or something like that. Um, and I hope you have more information than that. <laughs> well, thanks for that. How it, uh, tough act to follow there. Uh, especially <laughs> with all the gloom and doom, nuclear war, <laughs> yeah. crack and AIDS. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That's but, how uh, I like this. That's what I like to hand off to you. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting here depressed. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about back to my childhood. Right. Uh, well, cheer us up with some with some GPZ 900R facts. That's right. Yeah. 1984, Kawasaki debuted the GPZ 900R, or the Ninja, as it was known in North America only at the time. And the only thing yeah. that was anything about ninjas on it was on uh, on the side cover one of the side covers had had the ninja script on it the kind of that ubiquitous right. ninja script and nowhere else was it called ninja it wasn't even i don't think even in the advertising it wasn't um it wasn't <laughs> called ninja it was just just one of those things it's you know um it, it's kind of like how how they always change the name of the models for america for some reason you know like the yeah. the fz FZ07 was, you know, was MT07 in other places and yeah. you know, all this, all the weird stuff like that. 
it, it's funny when on, on that note, I, I don't want to talk about Yamaha, but when they finally did change the marketing here, that's literally all that changed was the name. And the, the, the bike didn't get anything new, but boy, did they start selling them like it was a new bike, you know? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like the Honda CBR. In other in other places, it's called the Fireblade, you know. So we got Ninja, which sounded very it was a very eighties trope too. If you think about it, think so of very how many 80s. Yeah. how many Ninja movies were out in the eighties? I can't I can't even count on like all my hands and all my fingers and toes. I have th- I have three hands by the way. I can't even count all the Ninja movies that came out uh, <laughs> and all the sequels. I mean it, the the eighties was very Ninja centric, and I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's why they called it this. Um, or not. Maybe you, maybe, you know, I mean, the only thing I could find even, so most of my sources were, uh, were Japanese websites that I would, that I'm familiar with. One of them's called young machine. Uh, young machines a pretty cool. Uh, it's a, it's a magazine and, and a website, the magazines, um, it's like a tuner magazine for motorcycles. So you got a lot of, uh, a lot of street tune kind of street fighterish motorcycles. And then another, the other source is, uh, uh, web bike. Um, where the I and bike is an exclamation point. And, yeah. uh, that one's, um, that one's got a lot of other stuff. That one's more of a kind of an all around modern. Uh, but those are the ones where I, I got most of my information, but yeah, it just kind of says, yeah, they just called it Ninja in America. And, um, it just literally probably was a board meeting in, in a big office somewhere in uh, downtown Kawasaki where they just like, well, what are we going to call it? And then we'll call it a ninja. Americans like ninjas. And you know what? Yeah. They were right. They, they, they were right. <laughs> Because everybody knows what a ninja is, you know? Yeah. And, there are uh, like lots of movies in 1984 with ninja, and oh, I'm just gonna I'm, say, I'm dude, pretty, I'm yeah, you, yeah, like every other one practically. I there were so many ninja movies, and I think there was even a ninja m- magazine. I, well, I know there was. I don't remember what it was called, but my friend used to um, go, ride his bicycle down to the U Totem or whatever the hell was uh, the little corner convenience store. And um, buy these stupid ninja magazines. He'd, he'd buy it. It was basically like, I know there's guns and ammo and like Shooter's World and Outdoor Life and I, there's there's several different guns if you want to or uh, magazines if you want to get into guns and bicycles and even Hot VWs and you know VW World and all that jazz. In the '80s, there was just as many ninja magazines. You can you know if you wanted American Ninja or if you wanted nin- <coughs> excuse me Ninja Official Magazine or Ninja extraordinary there i swear to god there used to be like 12 ninja magazines that you used to be able to buy at the uh <laughs> at the convenience store too on top of that so yeah it doesn't it doesn't surprise me there was ninja movies ninja magazines a ninja motorcycle for pete's sake yeah um yeah there's even one called sexy time trip ninjas that you can purchase for a dollar 99 and i'm sure you have that already in your uh, <laughs> it's already in, in, DVD, cart. in your cart <laughs> i'm on my work computer so i'll have to wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that actually wouldn't surprise me if there was also like some sort of ninja like nsfw you know scene going around the 80s if you can think but, it uh, it's out there i'm pretty sure yeah sexy ninjas yeah, yeah take over new york um I, so back to the, the GPZ 900R Ninja. Yeah, back to that before we, because I did have a bunch of notes on Sexy Ninja, but I'll, I'll oh, okay. cross that right now. Um, so yeah, the the one thing I do know about this is, like I said, it was the predecessor. Well, it was a successor to the Z1, um, and it was the very first um, four valve per cylinder, so sixteen valve 
quote sport bike and from what i've read it was the first actual sport bike you know they called like the z1 the first super bike and there was a lot of quote super bikes that were sort of naked or semi fair like fairings weren't really big back when the z1 hit and um fairing aerodynamics and things like that were kind of a later uh thing that actually started in the 80s but prior to that uh in 70 what 79 or 78 uh i believe it was um the actually, I'm sorry, uh, 73, I think, was when the Z1 came out. Um, that was it. Like, s- super bikes were race bikes that were kind of unfaired for the first like 10 years of their existence. And so, uh, this is the first quote sport bike. And I don't know if that means this is the first bike with fairings and aerodynamics taken into consideration because before the Ninja, the GPC 900, I don't really remember. Uh, a lot of bikes having fairings, even if they were, quote, um, sporty, you know, like a sport editions and things like that. Uh, but it was the first four, uh, you know, 16-valve um, bike, street bike, that was able to do 150 miles an hour on the street out of the box. And as we all know, Kawasaki is the instigator and almost the um, antagonist to everyone else when it came to the speed wars of the 80s and 90s. So I think that's going to really play into the history of the uh, the GPC 900 also. Yeah, so you mentioned the the chicken tax earlier. So originally, the, the GPC 900 was going to come out as a 750. Uh, 750 was kind of the the big end cap for a lot of displacements uh, back in Japan, and that all had to do with uh, with with Kawasaki's competitor, the the Honda, the Honda CB750. When the CB750 came out, that was you know 750 back. What was that? That one came out in 68, 69, something. Yeah, like that. yeah, exactly. So 750 back in in 69 was was a very large displacement bike, and uh, so in Japan, the National Police Agency. Is the is the body that actually sets the speed limit? So you know, unlike unlike here in the states, where you know the the lawmakers make the laws and then the police enforce them, in in Japan, the national police agency is the one who actually sets the speed limit, and they were worried that the CB750 was going to um, was was going to cause problems, you know, with excessive speed, and uh, and then I guess what happened, you know, but. So they that that was where you had this kind of agreement with the with the Japanese manufacturers, where they were going to um, to rescind the voluntary agreement between the manufacturers not to just get stupid with the bikes, and so that was kind of all. It was it was kind of you could see the the writing was on the wall. You could see that 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 agreement was sunsetting. So Kawasaki just decided, you know, in '84, <laughs> damn the chicken tax, we're just going to send it and just yeah. you know, boom, there comes the GP Little Z 900R. And I say GP Little Z because that's how they first they first uh, put it out was with the uh, with the with the Little Z, and then yeah. they, later a couple of years into it, they changed it to Big GPZ. And, uh, yeah, so they just they just sent it, you know. They just said, and and you know, Kawasaki does have a history of just sending it every now and then. They just come up with something silly, and and uh, do something, yeah. you know, crazy. Yeah, they have a. Um, you may be unaware of this, but I mean, they have a supercharged. <laughs> yeah, yeah bike I right heard now that came out of nowhere. That. Yeah, yeah, with no no competition. Nobody else was doing that, you know, like as a as a, in a threat, and they just kind of did that. But yeah, Kawasaki in and from what I know, has always been the champion of the Speed Wars and the the brand that pushes uh, 
pushes where, where people say, oh, Honda is, uh, you know, very uh, reliable and Yamaha can can be very fast and innovative. Kawasaki is the one that's like pushing it all the time. Um, yeah. Uh, the thing too, I, the, one of the things I read about this, because I'm always interested where this comes into racing. Why would you build a bike if you're not going to race there? Or did you build a bike to race? So on and so forth. And, um, what, one thing I did read was that, um, shortly after it was revealed to the press, they entered, um, three works bikes into the Isle of Man production class at the T at the Isle of Man TT. Uh, and they came first and second. I don't know where the third, uh, the third bike went, but yeah. So, I mean, right out the gate, these things are kicking butt. Um, you know, right after six months after being introduced, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're like, all right, we're ready to do it. We're going to take it on. Um, and start winning stuff right now, if you guys don't mind. Um, and this uh, this new motor, the four, you know, the the sixteen valve, uh, I believe was <sighs> Nokomoto and I did a um, a podcast about Suzuki's, and a lot of stuff in the eighties was still air cooled, and I believe this was I don't know if it was the first water cooled, but it was a water cooled uh, motor, yeah. And um, yep, it was so- water cooled, and it was definitely something that where they wanted to they wanted to to move on from the the Z line of bikes yeah. from the Z1. They, there was still quite a bit of overlap on the Z line of bikes, even into, you know, even into, I think the late nineties. I, I mean, what was it? The, uh, the, the whole, uh, Z 1000 P the police edition that mm, was, that right. was made way deep into the nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, and that's just a case of, of using, using the old, uh, the old molds over and over and over again for as long as they can get them out. But yeah, they definitely wanted to move on. They wanted to update from the Z line by this time the the Z line of bikes had been out for a good 10, 11 years. Um, like you said, the, uh, the super bike thing was happening and this, from what I also know about racing at this time, it seemed like super bike racing was the one that was really taking off and the predecessor to moto gp the grand prix the european grand prix racing was the backseat um kind of not as interesting racing um in america they were racing these super bikes um that's where all the tuning was that's where the money was that's where the best riders were coming to race in American superbikes, and the continental European, you know, Grand Prix racing was kind of just fading out a little bit. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, as the Japanese big four started getting involved with that, you know, that that they started coming up with these these bigger displacement bikes and want to advance to technology. And you know, it's probably that that superbike racing that really kickstarted the Japanese performance stuff as they yeah, as they sure. improve their things kind of for a little sure. side note right so you know that 750 displacement that was you know that was just the the big displacement and when when the honda cb750 came out right again that that really you know caused the uh, national police agency in japan to have a consternation and uh so a little bit of japanese slang for you for the old timers back in japan is if you if you know if somebody asks you what kind of bike you have and you say if you have a 750 say i have a nanahan which it just basically translates to seven and a half. Um, but basically it means seven fifty CCs. That yeah, that just you. gets the old timers uh pants tight, you know? Yeah. When you talk about <laughs> Nanahans and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh so just just a little just a little fun stuff for you there. 
Yeah. And, uh, and hey, for, for Kim and Mike and anybody not having listened before, Matt actually spent quite a bit of time in uh, Japan and, uh, you know, married into the Japanese uh, culture and uh, speaks, you know, a little j- bit of Japanese. And that's why, well, not a little bit, you, you speak uh, quite a bit of Japanese. And that's why it's always fun to have your perspective because you can get this Japanese only history sort yeah. of stuff that I would never be able to get to. So I was stalking yeah. his Instagram and I saw the Yakuska plate. I've been to Yakuska um, before, like, uh, like 2002. Nice. Is that, yeah. in Japan? Is that Japan? Yeah, that's that's the yeah. big base that I was uh, just most recently stationed at. Oh, right. And yeah. for anybody uh, that doesn't know, Kim has been uh, stalking the uh, Marines ever since uh, in the Navy. Yeah, it's my, <laughs> that's my jam. She, she, well, she when I live so close to members. Oceanside. <laughs> yeah. That's true, yeah. yeah exactly. Oceanside, Yokosuka, you're that's just right all, there. Yeah, yeah, you know. Friends, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Navy so, and Marines. Heck yeah! So yeah, that's that's always awesome to get your perspective on this because I would have I would have never known that. Um, yeah, and, and you know we talked about this before too. In Japan, freaking four hundred is you know not top of the line, but four hundred is getting up there. And if you want to write anything else, it's um, almost useless if you follow the rules because you you know you mentioned that the speed limits are so low in Japan and. But obviously, the Japanese are very good racers, and they race this stuff. So why why make? I'm not. I don't. I know there's a Ninja 400 now, but I don't know. Did they make uh, a GPZ 400 for Japan, or, or why go with this 900 if the police are worried about it? And you know, they're already worried about 750s. And Kawasaki is why we'll do. Listen, you're worried about 750s. You need to be looking up here at this 900. Uh, what what is the reason for for this in Japan, is it um, primarily pr- for export, or were these? Do you know if these were popular there too? Uh, I don't know how popular they were, but you know, big bikes have still are, are are now and and have been just something for fun, and it is. It's one of the weirdest things, um, you know. Like like when we talked about when I was there, you know, I I lived in Yokosuka there, and I was I, I was riding that little cub around, and that was that was so much fun because with the cub, you know. 40 kilometers an hour, which was the, the average speed limit around Yokosuka, the, the cub was, was maxed out. I'm twisting the handlebars yeah. off with that thing. Um, but then when I had my XJR 400, so it's an air-cooled inline four Yamaha, that thing, you know, that, that was second gear. And, and that was just to give me something to do to be able to yeah. shift from first to second gear to, to yeah. drive around at 25. And yeah, the, the speed limits in Japan are, are still and have been since 1963 ridiculously low. There is a stretch of road um, heading out. It's in Shizuoka Prefecture. It's on basically the east side of Mount Fuji. Kind of when, if you're going and, and um, we hit this stretch of road because we were going to visit some friends and we actually stopped by. Uh, Hamamatsu, where the Yamaha factory is. Right, yeah, yeah. And there's there was a stretch of road. It's I don't know, maybe it was a 50 kilometer stretch of road, maybe more, where this where the speed limit finally went up to 120 kilometers an hour, and right. which is is that 70, 75. Yeah, yeah. And then there was another stretch of road at another trip we took that was kind of uh, on the north side of Tokyo, where it was 100 kilometers an hour, which is 62. But it's those are kind of like these two test sections where they're testing the grounds to see if we can actually drive faster yeah. than 
80 kilometers an hour, which is 50 miles an hour. Yeah, that yeah. is the freeway speed limit everywhere you go. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's that's what it should be, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when the GPZ 900 had 113 horsepower, yeah. <laughs> you know, at a top speed of 240 kilometers an hour. Yeah. You know, it's like three times the speed limit is basically what this thing was capable of. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm wondering. I'm, and that's why I'm always curious about how, you know, specifically Kawasaki, but, you know, the Japanese in general. And, and obviously they race and they have race courses, but um, I'm guessing that they were so tuned into the global, um, you know, what was what was happening where they're exporting that they, uh, you know, had the foresight to make some of these things. Because, yeah, these definitely don't seem like they'd be a domestic bike except for somebody that's going to um, maybe like, I don't know, like a collector or something like that at this point, you know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, the water-cooled 16 valves and a 25 mile, mile hour speed limit just doesn't doesn't mix. No. But, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I also know that in... Um, I, I, I'm not 100% sure if this was like a Smokey and the Bandit type of thing. If anybody's familiar with the, the movie Smokey and the Bandit, uh, I think it came out in 81 or 80, something like that. But the um, the Firebird, which was, um, you know, basically a, what was the Firebird a variant of? The Camaro sort of? Um, something like that. Firebird was a Trans Pontiac. Trans Am. Trans Am. Yeah, so it was like a Pontiac Trans Am. And uh, Firebird was basically like a variant of it and they were trying to sell the Trans Am um, and I, I was tanking. I don't know if the Camaro was doing better. I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure what the uh, the deal was, but when Smokey and the Bandit came out, boy, everybody wanted you know that bird on the front of the hood and uh, to, to this day, they're kind of culty and sought after vehicles, um, but it took a movie to do that and the guy that was the producer, I think, of Smokey and the Bandit actually knew the guy at Pontiac and liked the car and said, yeah, man, let's make a movie about this car. And they kind of wrote the movie about the car was going to be the hero. And they just threw Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed and Sally Field in there on top of it. And, you know, it created this whole phenomenon for that time and, um, a hit. So I think I'm not a hundred percent sure if the Ninja, uh, was dead in the water for a couple of years or what, but I do know that, People got their uh, the pants tight, as Matt said, uh, in 1986 when Top Gun came out. Because I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, as soon as I saw Maverick riding that Ninja, I wanted a Ninja." And uh, in Top Gun, uh, the GPZ 900R was featured, um, and it became an, a cultural icon here in America, uh, at least. And yeah, so I. I don't know if it was the movie that made the bike or if the bike had already been popular and successful. Um, I just found uh, there, I, I didn't know this was a thing, but there's a website called the Internet Movie Cars Database. And oh yeah. <laughs> it has all the ninja, all the movies where like a ninja has been in them. Let's hear it. No, there's way too, there's like three pages. Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm pretty sure Matrix Two. The they're oh no no they're on Ducatis. Yeah, yeah. Ducatis. I mean there was um, I just saw one from '87. Student Exchange. 
There you go. From that's a eighty-seven. That sounds like one that you would have to <laughs> D library already. Like, and uh, that'll be another good name game we'll have to play. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting yeah. some ideas. <laughs> um, I'm just looking for older ones. There's a lot of new ones, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, and wow. and interestingly, though, I mean, three pages of Ninja in a movie now says something about. Obviously, how cool this the name is and the association. Terminator Two. Oh, there you go. Sweet Justice in nineteen. When was the when is a ninja in Terminator Two? I don't. I don't. There, you want me to like Kim? What Kim? No, actually, I'm gonna find it. What Kim accidentally did is looked up movies with ninjas, not ninja motorcycles. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I did not. Okay. So, Nineteen. That's why there's three pages. Nineteen eighty six. Tropo Forte. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't even know I'm if these to... are all American movies. Well, Who they knows? literally pass a ninja in Terminator 2. I'm looking at the, the card. Thing. <laughs> they, just, they pass one on it's the side like of the a, it's not, That's awesome. Person. It's like in, in the rearview mirror at 31 minutes and 17 <laughs> seconds, if you look, they, there's a ninja in the rearview mirror uh, when he looks up to check if the Terminator is <laughs> behind him. No, that, that's awesome. But, but hey, three pages of three pages even if it's insignificant is not insignificant to uh, what a cultural icon this bike um, became uh, I know Matt too this 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 is more of your expertise area but I do know that bikes tend to stick around in Japan a lot longer than they do even in the rest of the world and I was pretty sure that the ninja that that GPZ 900 even though it did fade out from uh, being the I don't know if you want to call it the flagship or the the main the main ninja the big the biggest ninja. Um, I, I think it stuck around right into the late nineties or two thousand. Oh, let's see, it came out in eighty three. I know it stuck around for at least a decade, right? And yeah, so the they the while. first big update I think was in nineteen ninety. So they actually they updated the brakes, and I, I know it was they you know bigger diameter, more pistons. They updated the wheel size. Um, to get it into, I think that was when they went into the 1717s, right. you know, away from the, you know, cause how the eighties had a lot of weird 16 fronts, 18 rears. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. And then they also updated the fork diameter. I think they went up to, they went up, you know, from like 37 millimeter to something, something bigger, but yeah, yeah, there was, you know what, yeah they, was- they took it all the way into the, into the nineties. Yeah, yeah, and if you do look at some of those '80s bikes, you forget that they were riding around on spaghetti noodles, doing like a <laughs> spaghetti noodles and and you know single piston, you know calipers, calipers. on solid <laughs> solid steel solid right. discs, you know yeah. that are absolutely don't get caught in the rain with a solid disc like that. You'll just I like the '80s ones, like and they're they're red, surprisingly, <clears throat> like yeah, yeah, the GP right? They make yeah. They made, the, a lot of red ones. They also made a lot of. Um, I know there was a lot of black ninjas. Um, I know a lot of navy people actually who had ninjas actually mm-hmm. uh, in in the eighties, and it, it may have been because of Top Gun. <laughs> to be Probably. honest, I know I know two Marines and uh, about three Navy guys that uh, uh, were family friends back in the eighties, and I'm going to say like eighty four through. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to say like 86, 87, 88. And they all had ninjas. <laughs> and then I can only assume it's because of Top Gun. Well, so one but, of the um, things they used to do for for fighter pilots in, in like the, the Navy Marine Corps was back then they did encourage them to ride motorcycles as a way of keeping their their kind of 
flight and fighter Ooh. skills up, you know, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was kind of like that, that, that correlation between, you know, you got, you know, cause a motorcycle's three dimensional, you lean into the corners versus a car where everything's just that two dimensional flat. So right. there it was something about it. Um, I still, I still think it's funny that, that all the scenes of him riding around helmetless, you know, right. Yeah. In these very populated areas. Um, yeah. when, and I, in San Diego. Yeah. In San Diego. Yeah. 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 In the middle of the eighties. And, and another fun fact, um, you, you talk about whether, whether what, you know, chicken and egg, was it the, the GPZ that inspired the, the, the movie or the, the movie inspired the, the ninja, um, they, they bought those motorcycles for themselves. And so they, they didn't have a licensing deal. They stripped all the names off of it. Mm. The only way you see the name is on, it, you know, where the engraved side cover. Where you can't, yeah, you, you can't, can't really see it at speed. Grind it down. But, you know, yeah. all, all of the paint job, there's no, there's no Kawasaki on it. There's no GPZ 900. There's nothing. The only thing there is, 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 is the little, uh, flight stickers you know all the squadron stickers that he had all over it yeah yeah and then there's this whole i guess nowadays there's this whole uh big nerd group of people who who make uh top gun replicas and and you can go and find the the find the forums for people and find out how to you know what kind of stickers to buy and you could you could <laughs> just so go goofy. you could just so, so go funny. so deep into just figuring out well you know you have to have this squadron sticker on the right side panel three centimeters up from the carburetors and stuff <laughs> like Nerd. that Nerd. i would kind of yeah. i would kind of fall for that like i'd be a sucker for it <laughs> it's one thing if you're trying to build a movie replica but it's another thing if you're just a, a nerd if you're that. just a nerd, yeah. like yeah. And, and that is very much just a nerd. <laughs> that thing. is very nerdy for sure. And apparently, some of those stickers. Go ahead. Uh, I think I heard they're coming out with a three, like a Top Gun three. Oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, they, 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 they just because Tom right. Cruise is going to be like 84 years old and still in the <laughs> yeah. Navy. It's going to be electric wheelchair, like yeah, <laughs> he'll be on the new Ninja E1 or whatever the yeah, <laughs> yeah like the hybrid <laughs> one that they're coming out. Yeah. He's like, let me plug in my bike. Yeah. So. Uh, of course, they couldn't make Top Gun Maverick without having him on a ninja because for some reason, and this isn't like the movie, ex- so this is my question. This isn't like the movie exec saying we're like the, uh, com- uh, the I'm sorry, the Firebird where they were writing a movie around the car. This is like, he rides a ninja and we don't have a branding thing. So we're taking everything off, you know? You see that in Hollywood a lot. You'll see, you know, it's a Ford that they're driving, but you look at the front and the blue oval has been removed and it's just a, a, a blank oval where the nameplate used to be because they can't, you know, you got to license that crap nowadays. But um, it, it's interesting to me that uh, that bike was, became such a part of the character that in the Top Gun Maverick, he had to have the H2, right? I think he was on the H2 or the H2R or something like that in Top Gun and they advertised the heck out of that. So that is. Uh, pretty funny that that bike stuck with the character and he didn't just have, he wasn't in a Tesla or like an E Mustang or, or one of the E Mach-E's. He wasn't like in a updated thing. He was on a, he was on a Ninja basically. So I think that is kind of cool that they kept it with the character um, and didn't, and didn't remove all the crap this time. Um, yeah. Interesting. So, uh, so they were they didn't revise it until you said ninety maps. Ninety so that, is when is it, they revised yeah. the GPZ uh, the GPZ nine hundred R. But at the same time, so this was a huge time for the Japanese makers, um, and probably after after the chicken tax got repealed, um, they probably even kicked it into double high gear. But uh, there was a lot of development going on, so. Not long after, so basically in 98, 
is when the ZX-10 came out. Right. So the ZX-10 Ninja. And the ZX line of bikes was the successor to the GPZ line of bikes. Because even though we're talking about the GPZ-900R, they had GPZ-1100s, they had GPZ-1000s, 750s, 750 turbos, 600s, 550s, 500s, a 400R, a 305, and even a GPZ-250. Oh, wow. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's you know, right. all kinds of it. And the GPZ-250 is like 83 to 87, right? So they, they had a bunch of a bunch of these different bikes. So kind of at the same time as they're doing that, they're coming up with the ZX line of bikes. And so in and those 1988... Were all, those were all, all of those were called Ninjas? Because I do remember the, yeah. Ninja 200, the Ninja 250 was like one of the very first 250 quote sport bikes and it was kawasaki and 83 was the year because about three or four years ago right pre right pre-covid um all these manufacturers started coming out with smaller sport bikes um you know the the yamaha r3 came out and uh the uh right before that i think they had a yz250 or YZF250 or something and i and i remember doing an episode back then and even writing a little blog post for it back when those were fun to do about 1983 hitting again because all these people are coming out with small sport bikes again and yeah they uh, Kawasaki had already done it you know Kawasaki had introduced the Ninja 250 which was a bike that to this day there's still race classes for because they're cheap and e they're easy to pick up and they're easy to maintain to race that sort of stuff and I mean I think they're still doing it with the Ninja 400 getting kids on it and making a race class that's actually affordable so you don't have to go out and buy a super bike homologated you know, ZX-10R or whatever it is that you, that you have to get now, you know, to be competitive. Um, they, they have been doing that. So the, the split between the GPZ and the ZX, because um, I think even the very first GPZ 900R had the model number was ZX. But, um, but yeah, you're talking about like GPZ and ZX becoming like two almost different families now, right? Yeah, yeah, basically they did. And, and a lot of it was... Uh, just like from the the original Z1000 to the GPZ, where you went from air cooled to water cooled, the GPZ to the ZX is where you started getting into the uh, aluminum box frames. You know, the big gotcha. aluminum okay, perimeter okay. frames going away from the the steel uh, perimeter frames. So right, okay, when you start okay. here in the you know like ZX10, ZX11, so ZX10 and 88, is ZX11 and 90, uh, ZX12 and 2000. Um, you know, all of these, these are all now moving into that perimeter, uh, al aluminum, you know, box frame. Um, and, and then, you know, a lot of, a lot of development there, um, that was also part of, you know, the, that super bike racing where everybody's, where, where tire technology was starting to outpace frame technology and, and <laughs> right. frame technology. So these guys are, are riding around with pretty sticky rubber nowadays, but then the frames are these noodle frames that are bended and flex in. Flexing and so then they it. get into the late eighties, early nineties where everybody's starting to use these big, you know, um, aluminum cast aluminum cast machined aluminum frames and stuff. And so, yes, that's, they, they, they kept the, they kept the, the GPZ line overlapped into the nineties as the ZX line was coming out. And then basically you get into the, the two thousands is where now you actually had three types of ninjas going on. You had your super sport models, which are the ZX line. Um, you know, it was 
later in the 2000s when you had the the H2 models, right? So you got your 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 H models, and then you have your street ninjas, and, and right. they're all kind of different there. Uh, right. Consequently, it was 94 with the ZX9 where the ZX9R that Kawasaki then used Ninja. So the ZX9, the Ninja ZX9R or ZX9R Ninja, they use that worldwide. Whereas gotcha. before, okay. Uh, okay. even up until 94, it was still basically, you know, in America, it was the An Ninja. American thing. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, speaking to that too, I was going to say, I, I know that back in the day, the model numbers were EX for some of the Ninjas and mm-hmm. not ZX. And I think those were like the EX 500 was the Ninja 500, which is funny because now this year they're back to the, they're, they went away or they went up from the 500 to the 600 to the 800 to the 1000. And now they're back to the Ninja 500s again, even though they're uh, only 451 CC. But they've come, they've come full circle on that and they are still the EX. Uh, and, and I know the H2s, I believe, um, are ZT. So I think you have ZT and then the race bikes are ZX and then the road bikes are EX. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. ER so, and EX were kind of the ones that, right. that are the, the, the street series. Yeah. The Kawasaki. Exactly. And most of those were parallel twins. So you had your 250, 300, 400, right. um, and the 650. And all and of those to- have an EX name about them. Right. Even today, the E, the EX or the ER, I think it's the ER650 um, is the Ninja 650. And you're thinking, well, why is the race bike a 636, but the street bike's a 650? Isn't a 650 bigger and more powerful? No, the 650 is a parallel twin. <laughs> and that's why it's the uh, the EX or the ER. I think it's the ER. Um uh, model number and the race one is ZX because it's the inline four and it's uh, way more, way, way more probably this blows that 650 out of the water. So which you, just, you can't always go by displacement um, to what's uh, powerful and to what's um, power to weight ratio goes a long way in, in licensing in other countries. So, I mean, that's another thing you may be going, Hey, this Ninja 600 is like, not legal for me to get a license on, but this 650 is what the heck. And it's because the power to weight ratio is miles different because of the, um, the family that it's in. So that's interesting that they went from one family into three separate ish families. Uh, and all of them nowadays, um, I mean, we're not, we're not to the, you know, the current year yet, but all of them have definitely taken on different roles in the Kawasaki lineup. Um, uh, especially more recently, um, so yeah, so you mentioned the, the ZX10, uh, but you also mentioned, did you mention the ZZR 1100 or something like that? Is that, uh, when the, when the GPC kind of changed from GP to the Z, something like that? Something like that. Yeah. It, it's, it gets fuzzy just because of the, you know, the number of models that the Japanese manufacturers put out. It's, it's actually pretty ridiculous. You, you wonder how they make <laughs> any money at all because they've got yeah. 15 different models of, of 75 different displacements and option levels. And Kawasaki, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, Jack, you'd probably know this better than I. Um, I know it from my work a little bit when I have to look up parts for, for model numbers in years. Kawasaki's still the only brand that I think offers many of their models with ABS and without ABS. Yeah. Where everybody yeah. else is just like, no, it's got ABS. It's 2024. It's got ABS. But yeah. you can, because I, every time I look up a Kawasaki when somebody wants tires or a battery or something like that, you, you know, it, it specifies the, you know, Kawasaki Ninja 250 ABS, Kawasaki 250 Ninja. Yeah. And you're like, 
it's weird. Uh, I think the concourse got called the concourse ABS uh, at some point, like 2011 or because so, they only offer it like that. But you're absolutely right. Every other bike, there's there's very few bikes in their lineup that only come with ABS, and a lot of those might be like the Eliminator or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because in Canada, ABS is um, mandatory, uh, and so. For the U.S. market, you're usually able to pick. For Canada, you can't. And for some models, they're like, "Dude, we're not going to waste our time spending money to ship this thing over there. You know, get the whatever import taxes and tariffs on it, and then send two versions when nobody in America is going to be buying it, or it's going to be very low." So they there's some models that they they ship with ABS, but very, 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 very few. I think like less than a handful actually. Um, I'm going to be honest. This is news to me. I didn't know you could get non-ABS bikes. From- yeah. Yeah. Kawasaki is one of the few. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really weird. You're, you're, you're looking at modern bikes now that the, the, I mean, maybe not modern as far as development, like the, the 650 Ninja is not a new bike. It hasn't done much updating since it came out, but that you can go into into your dealership and buy a 2024 that may or may not have ABS. It's, it's actually yeah. kind of weird. So whether or not you can find one without ABS or not, it might be a different story. That's like true. They yeah. Might all be sold out, but but definitely they they offer them that way, and that goes down to everything, including like the KLRs and even most of their little um, street bikes that are dual sport, uh, like that the new um, they have a bunch of new KLX uh, models out, like the 230 and 300. Uh, and then the 230 and 300 SM Supermotos. I think even both of those variants come with or without ABS. So to make that call for something so small is is, is uh, sort of funny. But but yeah, for sure. Um, and I always wondered if it had something to do with racing because I know a lot of racing, um, you think you want to turn off traction control and uh, ABS, but once you get out there on the track, you, you're like, no, I do not. I, I absolutely want these things working for me. So it's interesting uh, what what works with what. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have anything more? Uh, I, I don't want to jump forward too quick, but do you have anything more on the the like mid nineties uh, ninjas? Not a whole lot. I mean, that was the the mid nineties was was a time of you know that was you know superbike wars. You know both super sport yeah. and the superbikes so of the six hundred levels and the thousand levels. You know, and everybody's trying everything. Um, you know, straying away from um, Kawasaki. I know in the in the nineties, that's when Yamaha was coming up with its uh, its Genesis motors with yeah. the uh, the five valve, which is the you know the predecessor to the the FZ one that I have in my uh, in my garage right now with its uh, twenty valve inline four engine. Um, yeah. You know the aluminum frame things coming out. The wheel size is getting standardized, so that basically, as you're getting into the as you're getting into the through the 90s and you hit in the 2000s uh, with that with the new the 2000 R1 was it 2000 or 2001 R1 where they, the that was when, yeah that when the first R1 the actual R1 came out yeah and oh yeah. no no was they, they came out like 98. I think, yeah, the first generation Somewhere was 98. Right yeah, but right there, yeah. right at the 2000 is is where you could take bikes that you see right now and go back to 2000 and you're going to see that connection and then you're going to have this weird evolutionary kind of trial and error period of the late 80s and, and all through the 90s. Um, yeah, you know, where, where they're just trying everything, you know, it's kind of like, it, it's very much of a, let's design it, throw it on the wall and see what sticks. 
kind of thing. Yeah, I, I I vaguely remember the ZX6R having like some. I mean, and and honestly, there was some pretty sick. Um, you know, Mike, we were talking, Mike and Kim and I, about the fiftieth um, anniversary of Supercross graphics that came out for. Uh, you know, a lot of the KX and the YZ um, dirt bikes. And Kawasaki's going hard with the um, Ninja graphics this year since it's the 40th anniversary of the Ninja. But uh, some of those Ninjas in the mid, um, late 80s, mid 90s were super cool. Everything was going to like double bug eye headlight sort of thing, like the two round headlights. Um, I know Suzuki had that crazy SRAD, like Suzuki Ram Air design thing, but I think the ZX6 also had it where it looked like you had two tubes from your dryer going into the airbox. Yeah. It had like Suzuki or uh, Kawasaki Ram Air. I forget. I don't know what they cram. That would have been, <laughs> that would have been a rad uh, acronym if they could have figured that out. But, um, but yes. Kawasaki had some awesome designs back then too, where they were just copying each other and trying to figure out how to wring, you know, the most out of these uh, motors. And jumping into the uh, six three six, you can still there. There was a while here in the past couple of years actually where um, some bikes have gone away. We can blame, uh, you know, COVID and and the world sort of like manufacturing and shipping ripple that all that caused. But some bikes uh, went away and are coming back. Um, and super bikes was something that, super sport bikes, I should say, is something that people were rumored to have been being go away. And I don't think it's due to, um, you know, COVID and shipping and manufacturing and the, and the kind of layoff that the world had for a few months. I think it really is more Euro 3, 4, 5 and probably five plus, uh, I think is what they're on right now, um, emissions. And so in the U S you can still buy, you couldn't buy the, uh, the, um, Kawasaki Ninja 600 like race bike. And if you look at some of the rules for Moto America, uh, the super sport class can't exceed 636 displacement. However, I would like to call out right now that if you look at some of the roster, there's a lot of guys uh, racing Suzuki's that are on 750s, and there's only one guy that's actually on a six a GSXR 650 in the Super Sport class. So for Kawasaki only, what it, it was a 636 uh, <laughs> uh, rule for some reason. But you could you couldn't buy that bike here for a while, and I just got like last year or the year before uh, um, they shipped us the new um, six you know the ZX6 manual, and I'm looking at it. And like, there's no blinkers or headlights or anything in their manual. And I'm going, hey, this is uh, their, they just sent us the info for their race bike. So if you know, if you're in the know, you can still get the, um, the Kawasaki like 600 race bikes for sale here for, obviously, I guess it's probably for private sale, uh, but it has to be homologated uh, for World Supersport. So the ZX6R is basically the street going version of that same exact bike. Um, they just happened to ship us the, uh, the weird, um, you know, info for that, I think on accident, because I, I, I also get things that say have weird VINs and I start looking it up and it's like for Thailand, like the Ninja 125. But, um, but that is another bike that they have, you know, for a, a two licensing, they got the, the Ninja 125s out in, um, in other countries. Uh, and if you look at, Similar to KTM, you look at their Duke. I think they might even have like Duke fifties, you know, for other countries. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, Kawasaki is one of those Duke brands. Forty nine. Yeah, that's <laughs> a Duke forty nine. Yeah, you can't. It has to be, have a nine in it, right? So, uh, 
the 49.0 so that it looks like 490. But um, yeah, so <laughs> Kawasaki is one of those one of those brands that has something for every displacement uh, that you could want. And I'm surprised that the new Ninja 400 and the new Ninja 500 are still being offered um, for the same year. And I'm looking at the 400 right now, and it 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 does say 2023 on it. So effectively, even though it's still on their website, they do this all the time where they'll show you last year's bike. Uh, it is being the the 400 is being replaced by the 500, which is really a 451. Uh, so I mean, is it really being replaced? Yeah. <laughs> it's really turning from a 400 to a 450. But um, but yeah, the the, the sheer amount of um, stuff that Kawasaki has uh, with the Ninja name on it is is trippy. The the craziest thing to me for the Ninja is that it started out the GPZ 900R uh, apparently it made a pretty smooth road bike um, it wasn't like some of these bikes like there's a lot of twitchiness with the R1 and when they went the throttle by wire or with clutch setups for certain bikes I'm sure Ducati's uh, suffered this a lot where when you have a race bike and you're trying to put it on the road you can either have race or you can have road but you can't have both right um, right and so the Ninja apparently was a really good road bike when it came out in the GPZ form. Um, and I'm, and I'm not sure I've heard anything about the ZX line being bragged about, about its, uh, comfortability <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, so have you ridden one? <laughs> uh, no, not a, I haven't ridden like a proper ZX Ninja before, uh, that I can remember. I've ridden, I've ridden plenty of Kawasaki's on test rides, but not like the sport bikes. They were just uh, never my jam. I got to ride my buddy's ZX10. It's not comfortable, but it's a riot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If I was going to get a cool. ZX, uh, like a 10 or something like that, I, I would definitely go 80s, 90s type of ones. There was one yeah. for sale on the base, and uh, it, it had been sitting around for sale for a long time, and I was so tempted to to get it, but because um, it, it was just nothing. It was just a big burly girl of a bike, you know, probably 550 pounds. Yeah, would make a great touring bike, um, right? But but yeah, none none of the current ZX tens would be anywhere near as comfortable as as what that thing looked, you know? Right. And I know that in 1999, people's minds got blown away by the Hayabusa because it was the world's fastest production motorcycle at 13. I don't know 13. Something like, yeah, uh, thirteen forty-two. I think it's 40, it was, yeah, it's yeah. got a weird yeah, a weird displacement. But then people forget that the very next year, <laughs> as Kawasaki do, they had to. They can't like I'm saying they were the instigators and the and the antagonizers of all the speed war stuff. The very next year, they came out with the ZX fourteen R, and I think people forget that there's a fourteen hundred uh, bike around here that guys like uh, Ricky Gadsden and all and the, and a lot of drag racers that drag race Kawasaki's, um, you know are racing 1400s and that's still uh, available out there on the road. Um, the craziest thing, having mentioned that the Ninja is a, uh, you know, a sport bike, first and foremost, a super sport bike and it absolutely dominated, I think with Jonathan Ray or something like that, um, world super sport, uh, world super bike actually for, um, I don't know, like five years straight. It was almost like watching yeah, a Michael Schumacher six, race. Six world superbike titles on the yeah, on the yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's that's about right. So it was almost like watching Formula One, and you're going, oh, we know, we know Schumacher's going to win again, right? So, um, so 
I know that they dominated, and at the Isle of Man, they also were taking. Uh, until the BMWs stepped up recently, I think Kawasaki held the lap record uh, there as well. Um, and I think Michael Dunlop actually on the Super Sport in the on the six three six also held the lap record for that size. But the interesting thing to me is that they build this crazy. Uh, what was it? Twenty fifteen or fourteen uh, that they came out with the H two, and everyone's like, "Oh my yeah. god, fifteen, yeah!" So they came out with a supercharged leader bike now, and. Uh, and it's it just faster pretty much than, came out of nowhere, didn't it? It wasn't. Yes. It wasn't like it was hinted or, or, yeah, or yeah. dropped. It just like, hey, here you go, bitches. Yeah, supercharged two hundred horsepower motorcycle. You know. Yeah, and uh, the Noco guys and I had talked about some some of these turbocharged bikes that were around in the eighties, but that may have been trying to get some power out of some emissions clogged, you know, power plants and this and that. This kind of came out of nowhere because. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was a Euro, you know, three or four, um, you know, stuffing it in the face of that. I, it just kind of appeared. <laughs> and and um, even better was its its sister, the H two R, the three hundred and ten yes. horsepower, you know, yes. track only. And it's just like, yeah, what three hundred? You know, yeah. and it's and there's there's no class for you know in in superbike or GP racing for you know power no. adders like a supercharger. So no, it. Just a complete. Here's a play toy for ultra rich people because it wasn't it something around thirty five or forty thousand oh, oh, oh. back in twenty fifteen. They're like forty forty grand, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that was expensive. And then of yeah. course now you've got your you know fully loaded uh, Davidsons um, and yeah, Indians that are yeah. uh, that are you know forty grand for the for this you know your CVO model or your ultra right. touring model. Yeah. So I'm looking at the 2024 Ninja H2R ABS. Apparently, it's only available <laughs> in the ABS, um, and that is 58.1. No ABS. I'm actually I'm out now. Uh, I didn't want to buy it. Now. Well, the order period is closed. You have to order it within like the first six weeks of it. For being six announced. seconds of uh, of, six of, the, seconds. of the model year before they sell out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a 58. Fifty-eight thousand one hundred dollars. So it's even more Easy. expensive than a CBO. So um, I mean, not once you not once you add like some accessories to the CBO, but you know what I'm saying. Stock stock it is, but um, but yeah, man, this is it's nuts. And the craziest thing about this all too is that Kawasaki is kind of taking the Ninja, and if you look at the Ninja One Thousand, uh, the street version, not the ZX10. Um, they've turned that into a touring bike because now it's the Ninja 1000 SX. It has been for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely like a sport tourer now. And um, they have the Ninja H2 SX. So they took these this crazy, you know what I'm saying? They went insane with the Ninja. Uh, what was once like the uh, Speed War, you know, winner and the veteran. And they've kind of turned them into sport touring bikes, oddly enough. Um um, that 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 supercharged engine, a lot of you know, supercharging does add a lot more power. But what it also does is it takes a small engine and gives you as much power as you're going to need when you start stacking stuff on it. So I was always curious if this was what was going to happen with the Ninja, where the Ninja was going to go, um, and it kind of has. They've made it modular at this point, so you still have the ultra hyper um, exclusive and exotic H2R, which has. Almost no body panels on it, but the ones that it does has winglets stuck all over everything. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> bike is so wild. Looking. Yeah, we we've written the manual on that for you know, f- and and trying to describe what a piece is uh, to the layperson. You know, this is the we the upper outer 
front winglet. <laughs> you know, this you got to take this off before you can take off the lower winglet before you can take off the side panel to get to the radiator or whatever. But um, but it's, yeah, there's so many weird body panels on that that can't be classified. But then you drop down to the Ninja H2SX and it's thirty grand and it's a sport tour. You know what I'm saying? It's got like radar and all this everything else that's becoming on motorcycles and it's just. It's a supercharged. It's it's basically the Toyota Previa because it's now a uh, it's a workhorse, but it's got a supercharger in it. Um, that exhaust so yeah, pipe on the H two is is just so ridiculous. It's it's cartoonishly yeah. sized nowadays, isn't it? But not in comparison to the B King or the. Uh, mm, but yeah, but, you, well, but yeah. you're right. It, it, I guess if you the B King just had two. So maybe if you do just look at one of these, it is actually kind of like the, the Bee King. But yeah, they are they are something to be. You stick a uh, you hide your, you know, hide a little dog in there or something like that. If you if you hollow it out, it it's big enough to call out a pannier. Um, but uh, interestingly, I was I was good. I got a little bit of this uh, in the aim uh, episode that I I have in pre production right now. But uh, the Ninja has also gone a new way. Uh, and they they kind of announced it, but this year they actually have them for sale. Um, they took the Ninja Electric this this year, uh, and if you look at the new Ninja E1, um, what you're going to see is a Ninja that looks a hell of a lot like the Ninja 400, but you're not going to see an exhaust pipe on it, which kind of throws off the aesthetic of a bike. I mean, people hate exhaust pipes so much anyway, but then when they're missing, you just you do feel like something's missing. Um, and you'll notice that it doesn't have like a clutch lever or a shifter. So the um, I got I to gotta talk with the Kawasaki reps at uh, AIM a little bit. And the new Ninja E1, um, this might be perfect for Japan. It's uh, It only does like 55 miles an hour, I think. I have, I have notes uh, somewhere. But I think it only does 55 unless you hit the e-boost. And then for five seconds or 10 seconds, it'll go up to 65. Uh, and that's in sport mode. If you just have it in regular mode, it only does like, you know, 45 miles an hour or something like that. So, I mean, this is perfect for Japan and perfect for just around the city where probably most people aren't, you know, if you're in, if you're in downtown LA, the speed limit's uh, 10 miles an hour <laughs> unless you're on a motorcycle. So 35 is, you know, three times the speed of what everyone else is doing. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty, I mean, it's still, the thing was, is it still looks cool. It still looks like a ninja. So they didn't stray away from, um, what the ninja has become stylistically. They just pretty much changed the power plant. Um, on top of that, uh, so yeah, so it's 55 miles per hour in road mode and 40 miles per hour in eco mode. I just found my notes. Um, so that is one way to do it because the range isn't very far on that. I think it, I think that he told me it was roughly around 40, 42 miles, something like that. Um, so that's one way to go. Uh, and the whole thing about electric motorcycles is people say, oh, people want these electric motorcycles that has like 180 miles of range, but then they only drive 40 miles a day. And so this thing is geared directly toward that around the city, basically not high speed limits. Um, the other bike that they had there that I got to look at uh, that was very interesting was the Hybrid. And that thing has the new Ninja 500 motor. It's called the Hybrid 7, but it's not a 700, uh, 7 kilowatt bike or a 700cc motor. So I don't know where they got the 7 from, but it's a um, it's got the 451cc from the Ninja 500. And it's paired to this weird um, electric drivetrain 
that you don't have to charge up because the uh, the crankshaft and the and the the crankshaft has this big weird like gear geared thing on it that powers like a starter motor and the starter is basically it's like the starter motor has like a gen has like a stator wrapped around it sort of so that when you start the vehicle it the motor turns and it you know kicks the flywheel and gets everything started but then when you're driving it's still turning that gear and it's putting power back into the battery so it's it's a really weird system i think if you actually go on their website they have like a little diagram of how it works but um uh, showing you like this, like st- they call it like a starter generator type motor. But the the cool thing about both of these, I, I believe the guy said they have reverse on them. <laughs> so you can like walk it around in walk mode or you can reverse uh, out of a parking spot if you need to. But the hybrid has the 451 motor in it so you can do your regular gas cruising. And then if you just need to cruise around town for a little bit, you hit the E you hit the E mode, or if you want to stealth up on somebody like a ninja, you know, be quiet. Um, you just use the the electric drive. Um, and that was the craziest thing. Cause he's like, yeah, this is like, he's like, this is better, but not great. And I said, well, what's the future for Kawasaki? And he, cause, cause the ninja is, is not, um, synonymous with, with, uh, it's not like a, a car called a Tesla, which you think, Hey, Nikolai Tesla did all this, uh, Electric stuff. Of course, it makes sense that it's into radio radiance and electric, you know, electric theory and all this and that. That makes a lot of sense. But when you think of a ninja, you think of an ass kicking super bike. You think of the winner of the Speed Wars. You think of an, a, a supercharged touring sport tour. You don't think of hybrid. You don't. You don't think of E at all, right? So I said ninja. Nobody thinks of a of a ninja. Uh, you know that that name evokes a Japanese warrior, right? Not a not a little e-bike. So they told me at Kawasaki <clears throat> that the future of Kawasaki is actually in neither of these models. Uh, he said the future. He said we, along with Toyota and Honda and a couple other people, are um, developing hydrogen motors. And as you know, hydrogen is basically a sort of like a. Um, a little atom bomb going off. So it's basically, I'm pretty sure hydrogen still qualifies as internal combustion. But uh, the interesting thing that he said is that Kawasaki, we feel that these e-bikes are pretty good. Uh, but as with all the things coming out about electricity um, and how much it costs to make a battery, like not, not just cost-wise, but environmental expense, it's actually a lot more to make a, uh, an e-vehicle than you think. Uh, cost the environment, it costs to make the product, and then people end up losing on it because like the Honda Insight, I think they lose 10 grand on every single one of those cars that they sell and like the Prius and stuff like that. I think uh, Toyota and Honda are just losing money and they're um, getting subsidized by the government to make these things because they want cleaner air. So he said, I think that E is a very good halfway point, but we are currently in development with um, combustion uh, well, with hydrogen and hydrogen, we already have a lot of the resources out there. Like you can make hydrogen, you can actually, I think, convert existing uh, uh, gas stations to hydrogen right now because you, you'd still use, uh, I think, fluid pumps. I'm not like, I'm, not, I'm really not 100% sure about hydrogen models. It's one thing I try to stay away from. And and there was never hydrogen bikes before, so I didn't ever have to worry about knowing about it. But as more, as more and more people are developing these engines, and of course my company, they write hydrogen stuff all the time uh, on the car. The car people do. Uh, 
I have to think about it more. And now knowing that, that that's where the future of motorcycling may be headed is the, uh, the leaders of the speed wars are headed toward hydrogen models. So I think it's funny that they took a uh, totally crazy performance vehicle and went electric with it on one end, touring with it on the other end. And at some point it's going to cross over and become like a weird hydrogen monster. You know what I'm saying? So we, we'll see, we'll see where it goes and we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, that's all. That's all I got on the ninja. Anybody else got anything else that uh, you guys want to chime in about it? Well, I've got uh, one last fun Kawasaki model that we never got anywhere near the United States, but it's the <laughs> Kaw- the best one. Yeah, <laughs> the the Kawasaki AR eighty K. So that okay. one is uh, in Malaysia. It's known as the Ninja eighty RR, and in Thailand, it was known as the Micro Magnum. And that is a single-cylinder, two-stroke, 79cc, air or water-cooled. I I couldn't dig that up. Is it air-cooled or water-cooled? But every every source I found said air or water-cooled. Little bike, uh, capable of going up to 130 kilometers an hour, 81, which is basically 81 miles an hour. But uh, I just, yeah, I just love that they, like you were saying, they... They use the ninja name for everything, including an ADCC uh, two-stroke. <laughs> nice. But I also just love the 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 Thai name of the Micro Magnum. I mean, yeah, just, what the hell? I, I think the Micro Magnum. That's actually something I'm very familiar the with. Micro that was Magnum. my nickname in high school. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was sad about it, but you know, yeah, that's awesome. I I love it, and I I like ninjas. Um, and I, uh, like I said, I've never ridden a proper uh, ZX one ever in my life, which is kind of funny because uh, it's like I've never also ridden a Harley. Two things I, I, I want to Ooh, ride. You oh, you dumb son of a bitch, you stupid motherfucker, <laughs> dude. Wow. Davidson, you guys didn't wait for me to finish my sentence before you started screaming. <laughs> well, I guess I get to gobble a bag of mealworms on the next uh, episode or whatever. <laughs> but um, it's no fun when nobody says the word of the week also. So I'll, I'll take this loss. <laughs> well, if um, you were going to yeah. say one, then you should have said that booty juice or booty sauce. Yeah, or... I've never ridden booty sauce, which is also what I like to call the uh, the Barn Shield brand. But I've, I've never ridden either one of those. The The difference is I, I want to ride a Ninja uh, Z- ZX. <laughs> I've, I've ridden plenty of Kawasaki's, but not not a proper ZX. But yeah, that is, um, I, I do love them. And I love that Ninja is synonymous with, uh, I mean, I, I can't think of anything else that's synonymous with performance. Suzuki, I mean, when I think of the Katana, a ninja uses a katana, but the katana went out and has came back as like a retro bike that's only available every other year now for you know from them. Um, I don't think Honda ha- ever had anything as cool as the. Uh, I mean, they had the Super Blackbird for a couple of years, which the Hayabusa went after. So I, I, all these other brands have come in, in and out, in, in and out with these bikes. And if you want to say CBR, I mean, that just doesn't sound as cool as Ninja. So I do have to say that Kawasaki gets my vote for having the coolest model name now turning 40 years old, which the other guys have to start now if they want to have a quote, you know, 40 year long reference to their models. But yeah, I thanks guys for hanging in uh, and um, blabbing about the Kawasaki. I learned a little bit today, which is always my goal on the show. Um and now my back teeth are floating, and I have to run off before I pee my pants. So, uh, <laughs> check us out! <laughs> check us out! Creative writing is available on all your favorite podcast apps, uh, wherever you get your um, 
podcasts. Uh, Matt, are you still doing your blog? Uh, a little bit here and there. Um, I'm not not as much as I used to. I, I just don't don't get out and do as much things with it. I don't know. I might be yeah. sunsetting the whole thing. Yeah. Dawson uh, also mentioned my Instagram, and I just remember it's like, oh yeah, I do have one because I, yeah. I think I, <laughs> I think I, yeah, I did that thing where I just locked myself out of it for six months now. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the password. What's the password? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, check him out if you do get a chance. My Motorbike Obsessions. Uh, you got some really awesome uh, blog posts on there. Yeah, there's some um, good stuff you. from the past, including yeah. turning a old school Ninja 250 into a track machine. Yeah. And he gets to see oh, yeah. some 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 pics of uh, of me, you know, looking very much like a a, a freaking circus bear riding a tricycle, um, <laughs> riding riding my Ninja two fifty out at Chuckwalla. Rad, um, Dawson. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Dawson's with a Z Freak on Instagram. Hell yeah! And you can find her loitering the pages of uh, '80s ninja porn, uh, looking up all sorts of titles and putting them in her cart. Uh, Mike, where can people find you if they're looking for you? Uh, who's asking? Well, um, the people that want to know where your motorcycle pics are. <laughs> not uh, the, oh not yeah, the- if you want to see pictures of motorcycles, six one nine Mike Media on Instagram. Um, if you want to serve a search warrant. <laughs> Junkie Turdman at at gmail.com. You can always check us out, creative-writing.com. Find us on Patreon. And uh, we got a uh, Facebook and Instagram of Creative Writing Podcast. Check us out. And uh, we'll put our other show links in the, uh, or show notes and links in the show description. And everybody take it easy. Anybody got some good outros? There you go. No. That's our outro. <laughs> okay, good. All right, guys. I really do got to bounce. I'm going to pee my pants. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. Take it easy. Bye.